0: Let's see, I'm going to put this here just in case I need it. Now that I've gotten older, I start coughing every now and then. Uh, hey. I wasn't finished. It's spring. Today, it's spring. And you're at Spring House. I mean, okay. I thought you'd be excited about that. Uh, yeah. It, it feels good. I, I enjoy. I enjoy sharing. Uh, it, it feels good for them to let the old guy out every now and then. Get up here. Um, you know, we've been reading some pretty long passages of scripture and today is no exception. <laughs> but it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting story. Would you stand with me? And let's read together from Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Hey, mm. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, I thank you for the life in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that each person here would would have an anointing from the Holy Spirit to hear what you want to say to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There weren't as many of y'all when I was preaching all the time, Uh, it it, it, it looks like, yeah, anyway. this is my son, uh, Isaac, and um, he's 42 years old. He'll be 43 uh, this year, and there are two reasons why I named him Isaac. Well, I, actually, Margaret and I both named him Isaac, but I was the one who was really pushing for that, uh, for that name for Isaac, and one of the reasons is because the name means he laughs, and I wanted that to be uh, a blessing. I wanted that to be a, a heritage for my son, I wanted that to be a, a kind of a keynote of his life. And anybody who hangs around Isaac or knows that knows he does laugh. And when he laughs, everybody laughs with him because that's just, that's just what happens. Now, his mom came up with the middle name, which is Luke. And Isaac Luke means laughing light. And if that ain't cool, I don't know what is cool. But uh, anyway, the second reason why, uh, why I named him Isaac is because of Genesis 22. Uh, it's been one of my two favorite chapters in the Old Testament for decades. Well, at least 42 years, uh, and really beyond that. Uh, the other one is uh, is Isaiah 53. In case you're wondering, but Genesis chapter 22. Um, I, I find it beautiful. Some people find it beautiful. I, I, I'm one of those people. Uh, some find it disgusting. And maybe some of you reading today, if it was the first time you read this or the first time you knew this story, you might've been going, ooh, this is in, this is in the Bible. Uh, but many people, I think most people just find it confusing. And, and I, don't, I don't pretend to have all the answers. And some of the answers that I have may not be the right answers. I, I'll readily admit that. But I do feel like that I have some insight into this chapter. It's, it's one of the reasons why I, I love it so much. Uh, but there are There's some questions that need to be asked and answered about it. And and the first one is this, how could Abraham do this? I mean, really, God said, sacrifice your son. What God asked Abraham to do was not just gruesome, and it was gruesome. Make no mistake about it. But it wasn't just gruesome. it, It was everything God had promised Abraham was wrapped up in this boy. All of the promises that God gave Abraham were not things that Abraham was going to see in his lifetime. Uh, he's going to become uh, the father of many nations. Uh, his, his descendants were going to inherit the land that God, had, the land of Canaan. Uh, and he was not going to see any of this happen in his lifetime. And all of it was going to flow through Isaac. And God is now going to ask him, to sacrifice him. How could he do this? Well, Bob Dylan has a suggestion. Uh, th- th- those of you who are old enough uh, to, to, to remember his uh, Highway 61 Revisited, the first verse says, God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe said, Man, you must be putting me on. God said, No. Abe said, What? God said, Well, you can do what you want, Abe, but the next time you see me coming, you better run. Abe said, Where do you want this killing done? God said, do it out on Highway 61. You didn't expect to come to church today to hear... Bob Dylan quoted, did you? But the reason why I wanted to to quote that is that's the conclusion that we would naturally jump to. Abraham did this because God threatened him. That's the view that many of us have of God, that that's how he functions. You better do... What I say to do, or next time you see me coming, you better run. And that's, that's what we tend to think. I, no, I, I have, a, I have a, a better suggestion. In fact, I have a suggestion. I do think I have this answer right, quite honestly. Uh, and I think I have biblical backing for it. I think Abraham was able to do it because of, of something called the gift of faith. Over in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it lists some supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, Tongues and interpretation of tongues. We're not talking about something you can learn uh, with an app on your phone. We're we're talking about a supernatural uh, and uh, the gift of prophecy. Uh, the gift of uh, wisdom, supernatural wisdom, supernatural knowledge, a gift of knowledge, the gift of the discernment of spirits, gift of m- supernatural miracles, supernatural healing. And then there's this, this other one called faith. And that one is, is one I've always kind of scratched my head about or I used to scratch my head about and kind of go, well, what is a gift of faith? Well, it's not The gift to believe in Jesus for salvation. Uh, God has given to every person the measure of faith, the Bible says. And so, you know, you got that. Uh, No matter who you are, believer, unbeliever, you you have the ability to believe in Jesus for your salvation. But the gift of faith is something extraordinary. The, The gift of faith is a supernatural impartation of faith for a specific calling. And I, I believe that this happened at, at least once in my life, but once that I, that I can think of in particular, those of you who are, who are here, uh, uh, who have been here long enough that you knew Margaret, knew uh, my, my wife who went home to be with the Lord um, almost three years ago, know that we spent three years in Zimbabwe uh, back in the 80s, mid-80s, from 85 to 88. And uh, it, here's kind of how it went down. The, we felt like the Lord called us to Zimbabwe. We sold our house so that we'd have enough money to be able to go on the uh, on the mission field. Uh, we went on the mission field with Gee two thirds of the uh, monthly financing that we need that we needed uh, already pledged to us, which is kind of ridiculous because usually you need about one hundred and fifty percent. Of the money that you need already pledged, and we packed our three-year-old and our six-year-old up and moved off to Zimbabwe. And I'm not saying that for anyone to kind of go, "Wow, you guys, that was that's really something." Uh, But in retrospect, as I look back at it, that's really something. Uh, You know, I don't know. But there was never a moment that we stopped to go, or at least that I stopped to go, what are we doing? Because God had put this, this faith inside here. In fact, we got over there, and when we got there, we discovered we didn't have work permits, which we thought we were going to have, so that we could get into the country. But there was never a moment that it was like, oh, what are we going to do now? Or I'm going to lose some sleep over this, or I'm thinking about it. No. It's like we were in this cocoon of grace. And it was just kind of like, oh, to sell our house? Yeah, let's sell our house. Uh, oh, yeah, we better sell all our stuff too. We don't want to be paying to, you know, uh, store it or anything like that. Um, oh, yeah, God will take care of the money. We don't, we're not going to worry about that. Let's just, let's just go there. I, I can't claim any credit for that. God just put something there that I, during the time it was like, yeah. Let's do this thing. Of course, that's what you do. And, and I do believe that Abraham had the very same experience. I believe that God supernaturally placed a gift inside of him so that uh, when God said, I want you to, to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the place that I'll show you and sacrifice him. Abraham got up first thing the next morning, cut the wood, loaded the donkey, got his son, couple of servants, let's go. And you know what? I believe God can do that for anybody here. I mean, If God calls you to something extraordinary, he has the ability to give you a gift to go, yeah. You may go, oh, I'm not an extraordinary person. I'm not either. And quite honestly, Abraham wasn't either. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of mess in, in, on Abraham's floors, okay? But when God gives you a gift of faith, things happen. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So, Genesis 22. He got up and went. And not only that, I mean here's I don't know if you caught this when it went by, but when they got to the place, he said to the servants, he said, Now you stay here with the donkeys, and we're gonna go over there. The boy and I will go over there and we're gonna worship God and then we are going to come back here. It's faith. It's faith. So you know why why would Abraham do this? Uh, well, the second question is, why would God ask Abraham to do this? I mean, come on. I can't say for sure. I don't really know because I don't know how things work on the other side. I don't know, I don't know how you know, all the, the spiritual pieces fit together. But I do know that the greatest event in the history of mankind was being prefigured, was being acted out over in Genesis chapter 22. I mean, just put the pieces together. The father is asked to sacrifice his son, his one and only son, whom he loves. And to take him to a hill in the vicinity of Jerusalem where he will be sacrificed. The the region of Moriah, uh, Jerusalem is in that region. Um. And then the others who accompanied them when they got there. um, I mentioned it just just a little bit earlier. The others who accompanied them when they got there, uh, Abraham said to them, "Um, this is as far as you can go. From now on, once we start up this hill, only the father and the son can go there. They're the only ones. And with Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, uh, you know, all of you are going to abandon me and leave me alone. But I'm not alone because the Father who sent me is going to be with me. And some people may think, but well, now wait a minute, didn't Jesus, didn't Jesus cry out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, yes, he did. But God had not forsaken him. I've heard. People preach and say, "Yeah, God, you know, had to turn his face away. He couldn't. He couldn't look at that. He couldn't look at this at this stuff that was going on here." Uh, Rubbish! Rubbish! God looks at sin 365, uh, 24/7, every minute of every day of the year. It wasn't that God, and and it isn't that God cowered it out at the last minute and went, oh, I can't see that. I can't see that happen to my son. No, he's not that way. Well, why did Jesus say that? Because he felt like God had abandoned him. Have you ever felt like God has abandoned you? The scripture says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. In every way, just as we are. And I would suspect that everyone here who has a relationship with God has come to some point in their life where you have gone, where are you? Why, why aren't you here? Why, why aren't you taking up for me? Why aren't you doing something? God, are you even real? I know that you've experienced that. All of us have experienced that. And Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are. You know, uh, the, the notion that God actually turned his face away, I'm not sure where that came from because that's not in the Bible. You know, I, I, I think somebody just wrote it in a commentary one day and, and everybody, you know, a bunch, bunch of people who were, um, I'm just not going to be unkind, but uh, a bunch of people read the commentary and went, I'm putting that in my sermon. Uh, no, because what that says is he's the kind of God who will abandon you, and he's not. He is not. He didn't abandon his son. He won't abandon you either. It it may feel like it, but that's why it's called faith. That's why it's part of the faith. And so the son carries the wood on which he is to be sacrificed up the hill to the place where he is to be sacrificed. And we don't know how old Isaac was. I, I mean, I, yeah, I have read commentaries from time to time. Okay, people. But, uh, and, and I've read speculation that he was maybe as young as 13, maybe as old as 40. Uh, what we do know is that Isaac allowed himself to be bound and put on the, put on the wood to be sacrificed. Because that was what his father wanted. And Jesus said to his disciples over in John chapter 14, said, the prince of this world is coming. He doesn't have any power over me. He has has no hold over me. But the world must learn that I love the father and that I do exactly what he has told me to do. So this picture is being played out, but there's, there's even more. Over in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 19, it tells us that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. The reason why Abraham was able to do this was was he thought God can raise the dead. And when it came time for God to sacrifice his own son, what did he do? He raised the dead. And I suspect God had some faith that he was going to be able to raise the dead as well. And not only that, think about this. God told Abraham to do this. The next day, he loaded things, and they went on a three-day journey. And for three days, Isaac was as good as dead to Abraham, to his father. But on the third day... On, on the third day, <laughs> Abraham received him back. In a manner of speaking, he did receive him back from death. That's, that's, that, Hebrews goes on to tell us that. Okay, so now we've got, we've got, you know, why Abraham was able to do it. We've got, you know, why God may have asked him to do it. But what kind of God would ask him to sacrifice his son. What kind of God would do that? Well, first of all, let me say, I mean, you know, some people might kind of go, well, Abraham was able to do it because he asked him to do the easy thing. I mean, it wasn't like he asked him to kill himself. Yeah. But I, I, it was mentioned, somebody said something about this earlier. I think it may have been Wade said something about this earlier today. You know, if, you, if you're a parent and you have a child, if the, if the, if the, the question came up between me sacrificing myself or one of my children or one of my grandchildren even for that matter that decisions that, that that's not even that's not a hard question at all you know i'm i'm ready and, you know, I don't, I don't really necessarily want to be left here with this shattered, broken heart over, over one of my children or one of my grandchildren and the pain that they're suffering. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that my, that my wife passed away and, uh, about three years ago. And that's hard. That hurts. If you've lost a spouse, and I know a number of you here have, that hurts. But I, I really, truly believe the hardest thing to do is bury a child. And especially if you're responsible for them being buried. And I don't mean responsible for paying the cost. I mean responsible for why they need to be buried. So what God asked Abraham to do was a lot harder than just saying, well, Abraham, I'd like you to sacrifice yourself. What kind of God would ask Abraham to do this? Well, it's the kind of God who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the kind of God who raises the dead and knows that he can raise the dead. It's the kind of, it's the kind of God who on the third day did receive his son back from death. The, 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 the topic of this series that we're in is uh, making room. You know, and very honestly, some of the, uh, some of the times uh, I've, the passages that we've used and everything, I've kind of gone, well, what's that got to do with making room? And, uh, you, you know, uh, Kevin and Justin and every, everybody's done a good job of tying that together. Well, let me, let me tell you how this ties together. Because uh, the title of this actual sermon is Letting Go. And sometimes letting go is the most important thing you can do to make room in your life. Uh, in my life, uh, those, how many of you speak Christianese? <laughs> uh, a, few, a, a few of you. Probably more of you do than, than you think. Uh, but one of, the, one of the terms that you would understand if you speak Christianese is, you know, uh, well, this particular item, this particular thing is an Isaac in my life. It's something that I have tied in to my relationship to God and what God has promised me. And, and, and God's called me to put this thing on an altar um, in my life. Before I came to the Lord, uh, uh, theater was an Isaac in my life. Uh, you know it was, it was what I loved to do and it was what I went to school for, and it was something that I found meaning and everything in um, and actually, when, uh, when I first came back to the Lord. In my flesh, I went, I got to get out of this place. I, you know, I can't do this. Well, God didn't let me do that for a couple years because he had some other plans and some other reasons for me to stay in there. But the time finally came when he said, okay, put it down, put it down. And I did. And 20 years later, that gum feeding didn't give it back to me something raised from the dead kind of thing. Actually, it's close to 30 years later, you know, before we, before we built this place. And, uh, and it's kind of like, wow. Because you see, when you have an, when you have an Isaac and, and God says, put it down, there's a, there is a real possibility that, that he'll give it back to you later on. He might not. He doesn't have to. Amen. But if he does... It'll be something better than you ever expected in the first place. It'll be what you really wanted, not what you thought you wanted. When uh, uh, many of you have heard this story, but uh, for those of you who hadn't, you getting ready to hear it. For those of you who have, maybe you didn't hear all of it. Uh, in, de- in, the, in the winter, well, the fall, actually, of... <clears throat> 1981, here's what was going on in our lives. Um, Margaret was pregnant with, uh, with our second child. Uh, I was leading worship at the Lord's Chapel on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night. They had a Tuesday night midweek service. We were youth workers, and that almost always involved at least two nights a week because uh, there'd be youth meetings, Uh, then there'd be meetings for the youth leaders, and then there'd be events that we'd go to. Uh, Wayne Berry and I were in a band together, and we would, uh, with a couple of other guys, and we'd rehearse one night a week, and then we'd often play um, a concert somewhere on the weekends. And I was working full-time for Social Security. I was an elder at the church, so we had elders meetings to go to and some various other things. And if you've been doing the math, there just aren't that many days in the week. And, uh, and we really felt like going into December that the Lord said, you got to lay something down. And we didn't want to lay any of this down. At least, least I didn't. And uh, so I went to Wayne, God love him, and said, brother, I need you to take one of these worship services off my hands. And Wayne, being Wayne Berry, said, no. I, so, OK. Well, all right. Uh, and so we finally decided we're going to lay down working with the youth. We've been doing it for over four years, and you know, I, and, and really what I would like to do is be in full-time ministry, and that might be the, the avenue there, but that's the one, that's the one we're going to lay down. So we told Bruce Koble, who some of you know, who was a youth pastor at the time, at the end of December we won't be working with the youth anymore. And it was, it, it was hard, but well, we laid it down and, <laughs> you know, uh, about two weeks later, Wayne comes along and says, yeah, I'll take one of those services for me. And then uh, the band broke up and we never played another concert. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just kind of all got put to bed there for a while. And, okay. Well, what is going on here? Well, six months later, Bruce calls me into his office and says, "Uh, I'm getting ready to step out of the position as youth pastor. Would you like to have that job? Yeah. And so within seven months, I was in full-time ministry. I don't believe for one minute that I would have been put in that position of full-time ministry had I not been willing to listen to God and lay it down. Put things on the altar that I didn't want to put on the altar. He is the kind of God that you can trust to let go. Not him let go, you let go. What's that song that we sing? I don't have to hold on because you won't let go. You won't let go, you won't let go. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, you can trust him. And if you'll let go, you'll make room. In, in, in your life. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about a ministry that you're involved in or uh, some activity that you like, whether it's theater or golf or sewing or whatever it may be. I, I, I'm talking about how about letting go of some unforgiveness? You can trust Him. How about letting go of anger? You can trust Him. Maybe, maybe you're holding on to, to fear. Maybe you're holding on to, to money. Maybe you're holding on to possessions or ambition or, 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 or ministry. It may be ministry. But it's a, there's a very good possibility that there's something in your life that you've got a death grip on, and you're not about to let go of this because you don't trust God to take care of you if you do let go of it. Well, God, if I let go of this unforgiveness, I mean, they may not... You know, I, I, they, it may be misinterpreted. They may, they may think, okay, yeah, it's about time. It was all your fault anyway. Yeah, so I need to hold on to this unforgiveness so I can let them know that, no, it's, it's your. Let go. Let go. He'll take care of things. Well, if, I don't, if, I don't, if I'm not going to be angry about what's going on in the world, who's going to do it? I'm angry about all this stuff. I watch the news every day. I've kind of noticed that there is a direct correlation between how much news you watch and how angry you are. Don't know if anybody else has noticed that. But I'm just saying, and after 72 years, I've kind of learned that what I think about it doesn't make a bit of difference. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, you know, I used to think that it rained because I just washed my car. But, but I found out that's not true. And it may be that the stuff that's going on in the world doesn't really care what you think about it. But if I, if I, if I let go of this fear that I've got and, and step off, God might not catch me. If I, if I don't have a big enough bank account, if I, if I don't have enough possessions, who's gonna, take, who's gonna take care of me? If he clothes the lilies of the field and beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? He is Jira, he is enough. And the place where we learned that in Scripture is Genesis chapter 22. I love the moment, and I think this is probably should maybe be everybody's favorite moment of this chapter, when uh, they're, they're walking along, they're going up the hill, and Isaac turns to Abraham and goes, "Uh, have we forgotten something?" <laughs> we got wood. We got fire. You got a knife. <laughs> Where's the sacrifice? Have you have you ever dreaded a conversation? <laughs> and thought this is not going to go well, or, or you or you've been in a conversation where there's a question that you hope does not come up, and it does. And had the Holy Spirit just drop something on you that you went, oh, yeah, okay. Abraham has, because he had one right there. Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? My son, God Himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And of course, He did. He did. Worship team, if you're out there hiding somewhere, you, you, can, you can come on out. I got one more verse I want to I wanna pull out on you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You can trust him. God did not send his son to die on the cross so he could go, okay. I did my part, now let's see you do yours. He he didn't send his son to die on the cross just to see what we were going to do. He sent his son to die on the cross because he loved us. And if he would do that for us, what will he not do for us? Graciously give us all things. You can trust him. You can let go. You can make room in your life for him, for him. Uh, If if our elders and those who are going to pray with people would come come forward, uh, here's what I want. Uh, I mean, anybody can come forward and, and get prayer. But two things in particular. If you're in a place in your life, and I'm sure there are people here who are, where you're going, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? This might be a good time to come forward and let somebody somebody pray with you. Or if maybe the Holy Spirit has identified something in your life that you got a grip on, and you just... can't see any way you can let go of that. You can. I mean, maybe it'll take the gift of faith, but you can. And I would encourage you to come forward and get prayer for that as well. Would you stand with me? Uh, well, I'm already standing. But the uh, worship team's going to lead us in uh, a little bit of worship, and you have an opportunity to come and, and have someone pray with you.